0: Is there anything else I need to say with that? Follow Gina. I'm just going to spend the next 40 minutes up here moving furniture around. Don't mind me. Titus, little monster. Hey. Be nice. All right, let's uh, let's pray in preparation for the message this morning. Heavenly Father, uh, pray as I bring the word today, as I uh, uh, preach, as I as I uh, share what's on my heart. Um, that it would be uh, your that it be your deal, Lord. I pray that the words that come out of my mouth, that the the um, the teaching I do today, the scripture that I bring out, Lord God that that uh, that would be your deal. like let me let me get out of the way. Uh, let me point people in the direction of your heart and your uh, your will. Um, help, help me to share the gospel, help me to spread the seeds you want me to spread in Christ's name. Amen. Um, I'm going to open a beverage as well. What oh, thank you <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a sponsorship yet. I tried to get a Nike one, but yeah, that didn't work out um, <laughs> so uh I. When I was in college, um, I was a pre-seminary student in school, uh, and I had to stop being pre-seminary because I uh, could not learn Greek and Hebrew. I I was doing so badly in those classes. I was given a a passing grade, actually just in Greek, not in Hebrew, just Greek. I hadn't even gotten to Hebrew yet. Um, the, uh, the, The Greek class I took, I did so poorly that when I took the final, the professor called me into his office. Uh, He was the dean of students, and he had gone to school with my dad. And uh, um, he he said to me, he said, well, because I I know and like your dad, I'm not going to fail you. But you're getting a D minus minus. (laughs) And you are going to agree not to take Greek again at the school. And so I didn't. Um, I was uh, was not very focused. I was not a very good student. I was kind of all over the place. And um, one of the things that I did a lot of was sleep late. Um, My natural inclination is to be up late and sleep late. Uh, And so uh, they had this chapel service they would do um, two, three times a week. I don't even remember which says bad things about my memory of it. Um, But at that chapel service, they they would have guest speakers in from – You know, the the Reformed Church are from different backgrounds, people from Holland, because it was kind of a Dutch school. Uh, A lot of blonde hair, blue eye uh, folks I fit right in. Um, And and one day I, I heard about a speaker and everybody was very excited and I had no idea who she was. And I very intentionally did not ask because I was embarrassed. You ever get that where everybody knows who someone is and you're like the only guy who doesn't? Um, and, and so I very intentionally didn't ask, and they, all this talk, all this buzz, everybody knew exactly who she was, and, and she was speaking at chapel, and I heard afterwards that the hallways were full of people, and they had like stuffed everybody who could possibly fit in, and they were in the hallways outside, and even like on the porch outside, uh, because the speaker was, was Cory Ten Boom, um, who I've talked about in sermons a bunch of times, I had no idea who she was. None. I had the opportunity to see this woman talk. She was uh, a Dutch Christian who ended up in a concentration camp and survived and wrote a bunch of books and preached all over Europe and uh, is one of my heroes today. And 20 – well, wait a minute. I was in college. So 15 years ago, (laughs) Uh, 20-some-odd years ago, I had no idea who she was. And I had this opportunity. It was just – Not long before she passed away, I had this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see this person who is a spiritual giant who had been there and done that speak, and I slept late. That's a lot less funny from my side of the thing, and nobody laughed at it. (laughs) Um, The reason I'm talking about this is uh, we all live... uh, in a time and place where things will happen around us and we will not know it until afterwards, right? We'll have opportunities to prepare. We'll have opportunities to grow. We'll have opportunities to engage with folks and influence their lives. Um, we'll have opportunities to develop relationships that help us grow. And you will not know when it matters until it's past. Um, and it is a hard, hard reality. It is one of the worst lessons to learn in life. And so, Lord willing, I'm going to share it with you all today. Uh, and maybe one or two of you all get it. Uh, maybe most of you will. Probably most of you all are smarter than me, so you don't have to screw up real bad uh, we're in, to learn it. So we're in Acts. Last week we talked about Stephen getting stoned. That would be executed for those of you who are really young. And don't know any better. Uh, he was arrested for uh, preaching the gospel. And remember, what was Stephen hired to do? What was his job? Wipe tables. Wait tables, not wipe tables, but I'm sure he had to wipe tables as well. There were very strict Jewish rules about that, so I'm sure you were referencing the Talmud in that situation. Thank you very much, Mr. Bob Miller. Uh, the um, so his job was to wait tables, um, basically to make sure that charity was distributed to widows. And that they were properly taken care of in, the, um, in the, uh, the synagogues that specifically dealt with the Hellenists, right? So this is the first point in the church's history where we see sort of a division beginning, where the Hellenists, sort of these Greek-speaking separate folks, and the Hebrew church, the more traditionally Jewish living in um, Jerusalem kind of crowd, uh, where we first see a separation – And something huge is about to happen. So Stephen has been preaching, he has been arguing, he's been debating, and he has been absolutely destroying anyone who comes near him because the Holy Spirit is speaking through him. And I suspect Stephen is trained, right? The awful thing about training is you don't know you need it until you need it, right? Um, You don't know you need to learn to do things until... You know, unless you're brilliant or you have a great deal of foresight. And Stephen had been trained. Stephen had probably been trained very thoroughly as a Jewish man and then um, very thoroughly as a new Christian as to how the Jewish faith that he held fit with the uh, coming of the Messiah and, and Christ's life, death, and resurrection. All of this, like like the suffering servant Messiah from Isaiah, like is the, we've already encountered this. And so he would have been talking with folks. He would have been talking about Jesus, who they had all encountered, almost certainly, or most of them at this point, because Jesus made a huge splash. And so he is arrested because they can't come up with anything to raise against him. This is the short version of this. I'm sorry. I know I'm talking a lot about something that I've talked about for weeks, um, but it's going to get important here in a second, okay? So Stephen is arrested. He's put on trial. And at his trial, he takes the opportunity to call out the people in front of him and preach. And before he ever gets to the message, the main point, they drag him out and murder him outside of the city, right? They're sort of in a mixed spot. It was a quasi according to Jewish law, but mostly not according to Jewish law kind of execution. And definitely against Roman law like murder <laughs> that took place. They, they had no right to legally by roman law to do what they did so but they've taken him out in a very hasty execution they execute him outside of town um, and there's a man there his name is saul saul first shows up in the story he has almost certainly been around up until this point he is a greek speaking jew a hellenized jew and so he would have been in the synagogues arguing with uh, stephen not samuel stephen and losing to him. And so he shows up at this point and he watches everybody's coats. Um, and so we're going to start off in Act 1A, which is actually the last line from last week. Um, and Saul approved of their killing him. So we went from he watched their coats while they killed him to Saul approved. Saul is mentioned three times in these six verses, and it is really important that we pay attention to what's going on, because Saul is being introduced in a very dramatic and, like, amazing way. Uh, so Saul approved that they're killing him. We go on. On that day, was it the next day? Was it the next week? No. How much warning if on that day is when it happened? Like none, right? Right? This is California earthquake moment, right? This is um, you know waking up and the fire alarms have been going off for 30 minutes, right? This is in the moment. It is happening right now. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So what do we get out of this? Um, First off, he has tipped his hands that the – or like what Luke is basically telling us here. Everybody except the apostles ran. That doesn't mean the apostles are suddenly very courageous. It means that probably the Hellenized churches are the ones – synagogues are being chased out, right? Um, The apostles have been put on trial three times, and the reason that the the religious leaders couldn't do anything against them was because – Everybody loved them. You really can't hate guys who wander through the city healing people who are lame and blind and everything else. Like, you can't hate those guys. And so the Sanhedrin, they couldn't do anything against them because they didn't have popular support. Finally, with Stephen, Stephen ticked off the Hellenized believers. And so the opportunity has arisen because the people are behind him and they execute him based on the fact that the people are with them, which is in the previous chapter. I'm not going back to it. Um... And now, this outbreak of anger, they have dragged him out of the room and murdered him, and it doesn't stop there. It keeps going, right? And so, to a a degree, this is probably kind of like a riot, right? Not a Riot Phillips, though, you know, it's probably a lot less cute, um, but just as loud. The, uh, so the, the, this persecution breaks out against the church and they are scattered to the wind. They have no warning. They have no preparation. They have no opportunity to pack their bags. They have no, wait a minute. I'm being pushed out of my town. I'm not done learning about this Christianity thing. It was go time, right? Um, the apostles stayed and they are scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Um, real quick. Uh, we're going to go back to the beginning of the book of Acts real quick but there, in a little bit here. But there is a thing that Jesus predicted before he was taken up into heaven, and that was you will go out, right, into Judea and Samaria and all the world preaching the gospel, right? Like that's the prediction. And so, like, it's happening, right? They knew it was going to happen. It, it was coming, but I'm suspecting that nobody sat around and said maybe today is the day. Maybe I got work to do today. Maybe I need to be prepared. Maybe I need to, you know, be ready to jump. Um, Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. That is a weird transition, and it's kind of in a weird spot. And I'm only pointing it out because Luke did this on purpose, and it would be lazy and inappropriate of me to brush over it um what's going on here is um he was considered guilty by the sanhedrin um he was declared guilty by them and executed it was illegal right according to jewish law it was illegal to bury and mourn a person who had been found guilty and executed for a crime and so what they are doing here is it's illegal And it is, like, kind of courageous, right? I mean, because right now, they're kicking in the doors of believers all over town and chasing them out. They're going to the synagogues and and evicting the believers. And what do these men do? They go to Stephen's body. They collect it up. And they bury it. And everybody knew they buried it. And they mourned publicly. Um, How do we know they mourned publicly? Because it said they mourned. Right? Like, everybody knew they were mourning. This type of mourning was a Jewish tradition. You would be very vocal and everything else, and they did it. This is not entirely unlike the the burying of Jesus, which was also a really risky thing. The other thing is, as they're kicking in doors, nobody wants to be the guy who is associated with, you know, I mean, like, hide is my first idea. If people are going to try and hunt me down in town, right? That's why I have this door here so I can duck out the side if I need to. Um <laughs> <laughs> the, but they, they did this thing. It was courageous. It was a sign of how devoted they were to him, um, how significant of a man he was to them. And I would argue, um, it is my opinion. I think Stephen, um, I think Stephen helped these godly men grow. I think they did this because it, he was worthy of it to them. He had invested in them. That is my perspective. It makes the most sense to me as I read it, right? Because it's not as though Christians, you know, like, while well, you're dead, that's the box you came in. Don't worry, the resurrection's coming. Um, here they are. So they bury him. But Saul, third time, began to destroy the church. The word, um, well, hold on. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Um, destroy the church there. The word um, is the same word in Greek used for describing wild animals tearing someone up alive? Right? That's the, um, there's that line from Jurassic Park, you know, that, oh, they come at you not from the front, but the sides, and they cut you here, cut you here, and the point is you're alive when they start to eat you. That's the word. Got it? Like, he is vicious, he is angry, he is less. Less a man than a beast at this point in what he is doing to the church. He is um, the emphasis that they're dragging off women too. That is an extra level in Jewish society, right? Like they are going after these guys with both barrels. They are not holding anything back. For them to arrest women and take them to prison, potentially torture them, put them on trial—like this is a big deal. They are going after it with all they have. Saul is Saul is filled with hatred, right? That is not a small thing. Saul hates these people. And Saul is going after them with zeal because of his hatred for them. How much warning did they get? None. How much heads up? How much anything? They were prepared or they weren't. 8-4. Got to love this. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Um, the, the word there in Greek uh, is used, that's used there for like scattered, preached the word wherever they went is, uh, is, is scattered there is used like um, spreading seeds, right? So there's a farmer who goes out and he's spreading seeds and he's tossing them everywhere and some land in rocks and some land in – that's the word here. They are scattered like seeds for planting. Um, I've talked about it before. Anybody who has driven past my house has noticed that I grow some very lovely flowers on my front lawn. Right? They're yellow. And I do love wildflowers. I'm allergic to them. I would have to set my lawn on fire to get rid of them. But what happens when I run them over with a lawnmower? They come back. And they come back more. You know why? Because those little white puff balls, they spread, right? And those little floating seeds go everywhere. And then the next day I get out of bed and my freshly mowed lawn has new yellow flowers that I planted, Right? Well, you didn't plant them, not on purpose, but by running them over with the lawnmower, I scattered them and planted them. My dandelions don't get warning; they're ready. And so, everywhere these guys go, they preach. Um, there might be the case that they were, um, you know, hey, we're going to die anyway, so let's do it, right? You know, it doesn't matter. It may have been just because, like, the Holy Spirit grabbed hold of them, and that's what they did. Um, it may have been that they walked into town, and people said, hey, why are you here? Well, let me tell you what happened, right? I had a good friend in uh, college who told me a story about that where she was in high school, and she was using the bathroom one day in the middle of a class period, and she was washing her hands, ready to go. And she said she was washing her hands. I don't know. Uh, it was before COVID, so uh, – and another gal walked in and was going to use the bathroom. And she stopped and turned to her and said, I have never seen you not smiling. What is your deal? Right? Never seen you not doing this. What is your deal? And she said, well, I belong to Jesus. Like, and she told her about Jesus. Um, not all of us will be persecuted. Probably most of us won't. Um, But the reality is that the opportunities pop up, and we are ready or we're not. We're prepared, and our minds are on this or we're not. Um, And I'm going to say this before I go any further. This church is very good at certain aspects of that. Um, One of the things I'm doing right now, I'm trying to figure out what we're going to do in the future, right? What are we going to do in the future? And I've been talking to folks and saying, what do people say about us, right? What do people associate with this church? What do people associate with what we do? And the thing I hear over and over and over again is I hear a lot of people say, so-and-so is the best person I know. So-and-so will bend over backwards to help you out. Uh, Jeremy Eccles, man, that guy, I don't think he ever encountered a problem he wasn't willing to help solve. Uh Jeremy and Stephanie, you know, I love what they do with kids. I love what the Durgas do when you need help with something. They are just people who will help you. Uh, I, on and on and on and on. I have heard words after words after words talking about how you guys look like Jesus to this community. Right? There's, we have learned to do this well. Right? Tell me if I'm wrong. Titus. Yeah, I wasn't talking to him. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. So this is a big deal because, like I said, um, this is a thing that was predicted by Jesus, right? Jesus said, uh, or this is at the end of his ministry, um, right before he was ascended, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Showing that they had absolutely no idea what was going on, are you going to launch armies to wipe out the Romans today? Is it going to happen now? Because they didn't get it. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. I love that last like statement. Hey, ain't for you to know the Holy Spirit's coming and your job is to... Go and tell people, right? Your job is to go and be witnesses of what I said and what I did. And they have been doing that in Jerusalem. How do we know? Because when the lawnmower ran over the puffballs, the seeds spread. These were people who knew stuff. These were people who were ready to go out and do things. These were people who are ready to evangelize, to preach the word to serve, to be God's people in the moment. And that is the last line. I, uh, I recently read uh, uh, a book by Ernest Hemingway. I, 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 uh, Dwayne put me onto it, uh, so it's his fault that I'm using this. Um, but the last line of the book is, uh, it sure is nice to think about that, isn't it? You know, And the message of the book is all wrapped up in that last line, which is a common thing, right? The last line is important. Um, And I had to go back to it over and over again and read that last line, because the last line is important. And in this case, the last line is important. Go. Spread it out. Do it. I know this is a great illustration in this town, because as Montanans, we have figured out how to plant seeds in every available piece of ground, even if the field looks like a child's maze by the time the furrows are dug. Right? Every inch, every spot, everywhere, go do it. And the church has done that, and it's done it for centuries and millennia, and here we are today receiving our part of it. When the crowds heard Philip, by the way, Philip is one of the Hellenized believers. Um, He was one of the waiters, the table waiters. Uh, When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks and impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Now watch this. There's an important distinction built into this, and it's pretty awesome, and it is easy to miss. Um, They heard Philip, and they paid close attention because of the signs, right? The signs weren't the point. The work wasn't the point. The point was the gospel, and we see that a lot of times in the modern church where, you know, on, on TBN, I guess, is that the network? I don't know. I don't watch TV. Uh, TBN, like where, you know, Benny Hinn comes out, and he's healing people, and he doesn't preach the gospel, but he, he heals people, um, you know, or, or Joel Osteen comes out, and he doesn't preach the gospel, but he tells people, here's how you can be happy and self-fulfilled and, you know, fit in in the culture the best way possible, like live your best life now. Nothing to do with the gospel, but he will heal people's hearts and scratch their itching ears Um, because at that point in time, the sign is the point, right? Um, It is easy for churches to get lost in this. This church does a lot in the community. It's not me. It's y'all, right? We serve people. We take care of people. We um, have supported the food bank in big ways, right? We do stuff in the school. We do stuff with kids. We do stuff all over like there is stuff happening. But at the end of the day, if we lose sight and forget that the stuff isn't the point, we get lost. The point is the stuff that's being taught. We have to be trained and grow and learn and become holy and mature in our relationship with Christ. And become the people who are ready to go out and spread seed. Because if you don't wait for the seeds to be ready, or if the seeds aren't ready, they don't grow, right? I'm sure there's a farming thing there, right? Like, you know, underdeveloped seeds or something. um, But they perform miracles, and they preach the gospel. So there was great joy in that city. And as our last line of this transitional section. Um, why was there great joy? There was great joy because they heard the gospel and they engaged it. Was there great joy because of healing? I'm sure it was a part of it. But I'm going to tell you, if I could heal somebody's lameness or their blindness or take every set of glasses off in the room or make heart disease go away or cancer or whatever, like if I could do that and do nothing else for you, you would still be slowly dying. Right? You would still eventually die. The gospel we have, the gospel I try to share, that Jesus Christ died and took punishment for your sins and for my sins and for the sins of every horrible person out there I can't stand, that gospel is what we've got. If you're not training to bring it, if you're not training to carry it, you're training to be ill-prepared the day you walk in the door and you ain't got it. Right? If you've got it and you ain't training the next guy, You're preparing him to fail. We exist to duplicate. We exist to replicate ourselves. Um, This is going to be our theme song going forward because not all of you will be here for the rest of your lives. I hope you all are, but there will be a day that some of you walk away and move somewhere else, right? It happens. And the day you leave, I want you to walk out the door better than me. Don't worry, I walked in better than you. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? I want to help you grow. I want to help you be disciples. What do I do with this, Eric? What am I supposed to do? How do I be ready? Well, I'm going to tell you. Um, and I'm going to start with a story to tell you. Don't worry, we're not over time yet. Um, a couple of years ago... Like, since I moved to Montana, I've been building up my Montana equipment. There are certain things you must own in order to live in Montana successfully, right? Um, One of those things is a car broken down somewhere on your property, (laughs) right? And I've had those at different times. Um, One of those things is um, a pair of boots to wear in the spring so that you don't ruin your shoes because there's more mud than there is dirt, Right. Um, One of those things is a safe full of guns, because if you don't have them, you're not a real Montanan. And so (laughs) I I bought a pistol a few years ago because I thought, hey, I would like to learn to shoot pistols. And so I bought this pistol and I've taken it out probably in the last two years, half a dozen times. Right. And you know what I've discovered? It is really hard to use really hard and in fact a lot of times I don't use it because I'm kind of embarrassed at how bad of a shot I am like I I I, it is it is it is painful I I tried putting up a target earlier this or last year sorry I tried putting up a target and shooting at it to see what I needed to adjust and I didn't hit the box the target was on so there was no adjusting (laughs) and so what I did was I went and I talked to Jeremy Eccles You know why? Do I need to tell you? Because Jeremy knows his stuff. And I said, Jeremy, I'm awful at this. How do I get better? And Jeremy said, here's what you need to do. And he gave me a handful of tips. I think he watched me shoot last year at some point and said, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. Fix it. Right? You remember doing that, right? I didn't just make that up. Um, Dreamt about it. And I have slowly begun to practice. And I... This week, for the first time, I put up my target again, and I hit up and to the right every time, but I hit the target almost every time, missed once, but it was still on the box, so, you know, and then I called Jeremy, and I said, here's the pattern. How do I fix it, right? My first inclination, actually, I hit the bullseye once because I thought, well, if I hit up and to the right, I should aim down and to the left,
1: <laughs> and I hit the,
0: I hit the bullseye square on, and it was awesome, um, but it was wrong. Because you can do things wrong and make it look like it works, but it doesn't. And lots of Christians are good at that. We show up, we sit, we volunteer when we're supposed to, we do the basic things that are expected of us, we learn all the buzzwords, and we say them, and then we're all outside and nothing inside. Isn't it true? How do you grow spiritually? You find someone who has done it, and you ask them, how do I do this? Oh, but you don't know. I'm struggling with this sin. I, I'm struggling with pornography. If people knew that about me, they would hate me. I will guarantee you there are other guys around you that have struggled with that. And there are guys you can go and say, this is what I'm struggling with. Can you help me? I can help you with that. Right? I struggled with alcohol. i really, you really know, fun with that. But I got over it because somebody else who did it walked me through it. I do not know how to read the Bible and understand it. Anybody said that? I don't know anything about the Bible. I feel, you know, how do you fix it? Find people who understand it and you ask questions. I'm mean to my wife, which I sometimes am. How do you fix it? Find somebody who's doing a good job of being married and you ask them how they put up with their wives. Um, (laughs) What do you do going forward? Some of you guys have areas where you're struggling or where you know you're falling short. You find somebody who can do it, and you connect with them, and you have conversations about it. And then you figure out how to make it better. But I don't know anybody. Come talk to me. I'll tell you where they are. Right? I know all of you. I I know all of you. And I will tell you, there are people here who can help you grow, and it will not be me, though hopefully I'm helping you grow today. Anyway, um, the other thing that you can look at and say um, in relation to this, I feel strongly I should be doing something, but I'm not. Anybody have that? I, I have seeds, and I'm not investing them in people around me. I have a desire to make young people better. I have a desire to engage seniors. I have a desire to serve in one way or another. Um, go do it. Because it's an amazing thing. One of the ways the Holy Spirit helps us grow is by telling us, you want to do this, right? But I don't have time, but you want to do it. But I'm uncomfortable in this setting, but you want to do it. And then you say, well, but I don't want to do it. I'm going to try and not think about it. And then it comes up and the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder and says, it is time for you to do it. Consider this, the Holy Spirit tapping you on the shoulder and saying, it is time to do it. There are folks all around you that need to grow. There are folks all around you who are lonely to the point of dying inside. There are folks around you who need help growing spiritually, who just need somebody to talk to. Find them and do it. And if you're not ready to do it, grow. Because I'm going to tell you, you will not know when that time will come. You won't. You won't know. Like I could look and say, oh, so-and-so could teach me. Nathan could teach me everything about how to, like, lead a worship group perfectly. Because Nathan has a natural gift for standing up and talking about Jesus between songs. And relating things to the message and that kind of stuff. He is good at it. But if I don't ask Nathan to teach me that, eventually he's going to be on a ladder and it's going to slide out from underneath him again. And there won't be a Nathan to ask because you don't know when you won't have the opportunity to ask again. Do it, guys. Today is what we've got. Today is what we've been promised. Tomorrow they could be kicking in your doors and you could be burying me. Right? I don't know. I hope not. Go do it. All you're going to hear out of me this year over and over and over again is we have to duplicate, we have to replicate, we have to grow, we have to invest, we have to become better and more than we are because we have a community of folks around us who need the seeds we're going to spread. They need them and we're not ready, but we're going to be, amen? Let's pray, and then we will eat, and we'll have a very peaceful and wonderful brief meeting. Heavenly Father, uh, I uh, I never stand up and and preach with the intent of giving my opinion. This is what you put on my heart. Um, I pray that that if it wasn't if it wasn't you, if it wasn't your spirit, that folks would just ignore me and move on. But I pray, Lord God, if your spirit was in this, if your spirit was poking at people and they recognize that they've been acting the part outside, but inside they're shriveled up and dying, Lord God, I pray that you would use this opportunity to push them to move and grow and to be more. I pray, Lord God, that those of us who have talents and gifts, that we would invest them in the folks around us. I pray that those of us who um, have inclination to grow spiritually, to grow in our skills to grow however it is that you desire us to grow lord god that you would put it on their hearts and they would stand up and go forward um i pray this pray this because this is what we're here for it's written on the back wall it's written on our hearts it's the last thing you said before you left us go into all the world preach the gospel make disciples help us to do that lord help us to replicate in jesus name amen have a good sunday